Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Come on, thank you, Father, for your anointing as we preach. Thank you for your presence, your power on the words that I say, Lord God, they'll go into our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We thank you for your presence. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Amen. Great. Have a seat. Give someone a high five. A bit of love. A bit of loving. Morning, everyone. Great to see all these beautiful faces this morning. So we are starting a new series, Acts 1-8, it's called. And our series will be looking at this fantastic scripture. And let's read it together. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. (laughs) That's really great. So we are going to be looking at this scripture for the next little while, and I'm very excited about this scripture, because I'm starting off with just those few beginning words, you, you, that means you, and you, and you, and you, and you, will receive power. The Greek word there is dunamis. It's a great word. We obviously get the word dynamite from that. You will receive power. God wants us to be powerful people. He wants us to be powerful Christians. In Acts 1, 4-5, Jesus, it says this, while he was eating with them, this is after he had risen from the dead, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days, you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. So this promise from God the Father, this gift was so important that Jesus says, now just don't, don't go anywhere. Now Jesus has just risen from the dead. They've got a bit of news to share. They're fairly excited. This is, this is like an incredible moment in the history of the universe, but he's saying, just don't go anywhere yet. You need, there's, there's something else you need. More than Jesus? He says, wait, 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 wait. In fact, Jesus considered the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, so important, he even told them, it's actually better if I'm not here. It's better, better that I go. And they're like, wait, what? No way. Nothing could be better than having you physically with us, Jesus, like just walking around and doing miracles and walking on water and feeding five. What could be better than that? But Jesus said, it's better that I go. Isn't that amazing? John 16, 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper... The parakletos in Greek will not come to you. But if I leave, I will send him to you. And John the Baptist said this in Matthew 
I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. That's Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Wow. So even right at the beginning, John the Baptist was aware of this coming ministry of the Holy Spirit. We know Christian doctrine is God is the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we believe in God and we know Jesus came to earth. He was born in a little town called Bethlehem, which still exists today. But the Holy Spirit, he's kind of... Like I, I grew up in a, well, I, I got saved in an Anglican church. I, I, my family didn't go there, but I did. And the Holy Spirit was like, we, we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit. We didn't even call him he. We called him it, which is very rude. <laughs> but we, he was just like weird, strange, mystical. And he is a little mystical. He is a little mystical. But he's a very important part of our world today. In fact, he's the one here today. In the Old Testament, we see God operating through his prophets and then we see Jesus came on earth and now is the time of the Holy Spirit. We need to know who he is. Now, before I go on, notice that John said, he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire speaks to purging and purity. It speaks to, you know, they get that metal in there and you burn off all the impurities. And The Holy Spirit definitely comes to give us power and authority, but he also comes to bring purity and refinement in our life. So the power of God must flow through the righteousness and humility of God or our ministry will be unbalanced. Now, I'm not talking about purity and holiness today, but I just want to make that clear that, you know, you've got to have both sides of the Christian walk, don't you? You know, the the power of God and the purity of God so that we're nicely balanced. Because if you've got sort of one without the other, you can be a little weak but sweet. And if you're all power and brimstone and swinging off the chandeliers, (laughs) you can be a little bit crazy. Not that we're like that, but it does. you do see that sometimes. So we've got to have that balance. And we're not, I'm not talking about that balance today. I'm just particularly focusing on that element of the power of God that he wants to release in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And he said, you will. You will receive power. So what I want to do is, what does a powerful Christian look like? What does that look like? Because I think sometimes that word power, we sort of, I don't know, we sort of see like a a muscle man, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or whoever the latest guy is, um, you know, like someone who can break bricks and do strong, powerful things. But we're talking about spiritual power. And believe me, powerful Christians are exciting. They're exciting people to be around. Jesus said this, John fourteen twelve. I tell you, what, whoever believes in me, the works I have been doing, who believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. It's like, what? (laughs) What? That's really an amazing claim that Jesus made that we're going to be doing greater things. So powerful Christians are doing powerful things just like Jesus did. And in no particular order, one of the things powerful Christians do is they pray for the sick and they recover. He said, freely you've received, freely you have give. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And in terms of being greater than Jesus, here's the thing. 
When Jesus was on earth, he was in one place and one country, that sweet little country called Israel, (laughs) that even to this day is crazily fought over, probably partly because Jesus went there. But he was in Israel and he could only be in Israel. But now, by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is God in our life, he can be everywhere. He can be everywhere that you are because you are now his hands and his feet. You are the body of Christ. So he can be in every country in the world. He can be out in Lake Cajeligo. He can be at St. Philip's School. Everywhere you are, he wants to touch everyone and he can. So that's the greater power that he has now become universal because of the Holy Spirit that's in us. And also because of the Holy Spirit in us. I don't know if it necessarily means that you will do greater things like me personally. (laughs) I mean, maybe. (laughs) But if you look at the body of Christ and what is going on in the body of Christ, and you look at the magnitude of the miracles that are happening and the healings and the the love and the, the, the amazing things that are happening all around the world through Christians... It is greater. It's, it's more in number and it's, it's amazing miracles. And I just had fun thinking, oh, what's some good miracles? This, <laughs> I don't know where to begin. One thing I want to encourage you, if you're interested in miracles and you, you sort of think, oh, what miracles are happening? Everywhere there are miracles. Some of the best books, the, Lee Strobel has written a book called The Case for Miracles. Um, Eric Metaxas has written a book called Miracles. Frank Damasio has written a book called Miracles. Look these books up because these guys are sort of journalistic. You know, Lee Strobel famously was a journalist that tried to prove that Christianity was wrong. He was like, oh, I'm going to prove No, you just got to you look at the evidence. It's gonna, we're, going to, we're going to be able to prove it wrong and got converted because he proved, he was like, the evidence is overwhelming that Jesus existed and rose from the dead. So he got saved and now he does, he's a very meticulous guy. So he wanted, they, these guys wanted to find miracles that had been authenticated by numerous doctors. So these are particular miracles. But they're so exciting to read. I, was, I, just, I didn't know where to begin. There was one lady that Lee Strobel spoke about who had multiple sclerosis. And it was just horrific how bad she got. She, she got to the point, you know, after years and years and years of this terrible disease where she was no longer breathing and barely coping and the doctors said, it's just a matter of months now. She's, she's going. And then someone came in and prayed for her and she was completely healed. It was just miraculous and the doctors have no explanation. And that Sunday at church, the, guy, the pastor was like, has anyone got anything they'd like to share? And she walked up the front and everyone was like, like that the whole everyone just started clapping and cheering as they were like whoa you know so that I was just reading that and enjoying that but you know even in our own church we have seen wonderful healings wonderful miracles all kinds of things I was reading some of our praise reports and one that I found amusing was a friend of ours called Paul who had a a excruciatingly bad back and he said it got so bad that he couldn't he couldn't sort of do his shoelaces he couldn't do anything and um, he was very, very in pain and had been going for a, a while. I'm not sure how many years, not like 15, but less. But anyway, they came to visit us and they were going to stay the night. They're friends of ours. And uh, my friend, Sherilyn, said, you, Paul, you should get Ruth to pray for you for healing. He's like, ah, uh, uh. 
Paul's a little casual. Um, and, uh, and then Sherilyn said to me, Ruth, you should pray for him. He's got such a terrible back. You need to pray for him. And I said, well, he's not asking, so... I'm not praying. I don't pray for people unless they want it. So he never asked. I didn't pray. And um, anyway, he woke up the next morning. He slept in our guest room and he was completely healed. His back was totally healed and he never, ever got a sore back again. And he was just like, we were all like, whoa. He goes, I'm totally healed. And we were like, that's weird. I didn't pray for you. And it was just like, it's just the presence of God that healed him without him even... I don't know. That's the thing about miracles. It's a little mysterious. I wouldn't have healed Paul. I I didn't heal Paul. I didn't even pray for him. Like I was like, Paul, get get serious. You know, I've seen people like seek God and pray and do everything right, and they're still waiting. So it's a little mysterious. God has mysterious ways, but I'm telling you, He does great things. And that guy actually just what last year or the year before he got cancer, very bad. He went to the doctor and they said, yeah, they actually said, this will kill you. You're going to die. You got between three months and one year. It was a very serious form of cancer. Very rare, very serious. And he was like, oh. So then it was like, he still didn't ask me to pray, but he did ask his church to pray. They were all praying. He did come and stay the night though. So, but um, anyway, so we were kind of managing that and dealing with it and praying for him. And um, he got healed again. And I mean, he was dying. That he got paid his life insurance. They, can't, they paid him. Like, he's got it. He's got the money. I'm like, what do you do now? Like, once you've been... He's like, I know, right? I'm, I don't know what... You know. So, and he's completely healed. And the doctors say they've never seen... They've given it, it's completely gone. And they've never seen it with this cancer, ever. They're just like, oh, we don't know what to say. So, that's just in, in, in our world. But there's so many stories like that. So, powerful Christians pray for the sick and they recover. So get out there and pray for the sick guys because we have the Holy Spirit and who knows what will happen when we pray. Powerful Christians speak powerful words. They don't just do deeds, they speak words that change lives. In 2019, God was speaking to me about this church that it was like an apple tree, that it was beautiful and fruitful and tasty and there was fruit to be plucked If you've ever lived in a cold climate where you can just pick the apples and eat them, yum. It's very exciting. And anyway, he was speaking to me a lot about this image and it was was very uh, encouraging. And we were overseas visiting Russia at the time. And Janelle, beautiful Janelle McDonnell, who must be with the kids, she... She, she didn't know that God was speaking to me like this. And she sent us an email. She said, I just had this wonderful word for you. And I just see that it's like an apple tree. And you're just plucking in the fruit. And there's so much fruit. And you're just plucking it. And I went, oh, that's amazing. That's exactly the image. Like, what are the chances? Apple tree, apple tree. Like, thank you, God, confirming what he was saying to me and speaking through Janelle. And I just want to say something. Powerful Christians are not necessarily loud and big and boisterous. Like Janelle is quiet and elegant and beautiful. And she just sent it to us as an email. But I remember that prophecy. It was powerful to me because it was right. It was the Holy Spirit. And then we went to a church service down in the city and they had this lovely woman, Izzy de Gassini, her name is, and they said she's now going to minister preached the word so she just got up and she looked she's pretty and she looked dreamy and she had this keyboard and she didn't say a word 
she just started to sing. And I went, oh, here we go. It's one of those. Look, I was a tiny bit cynical. I'll admit, I'm a Pentecostal, but I was kind of like, oh, what's going to happen? Where are we going? You know, we're going to just kind of like float through the message. And we did. I don't think she even spoke. She just sang. She just go, and she just sang a prophecy over someone. I was like, I try to keep a really open mind because the Holy Spirit does really weird things sometimes. You know, we don't want to be too, oh, I don't like that. That's not my style. So I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to get, anyway, we, I didn't, I just enjoyed it and kind of flowed and okay. And then she didn't even tell you, she didn't even say, can you come up? She didn't even speak there. She just looked at you and go like that. And I go, is that, is, is that, is that us? So she was sort of looking at me and Chris and, I'm like, okay, we'll come forward. The next thing you know, she's singing about an apple tree. And she's like, I see you under the apple tree, under the apple tree. And she goes on and on about these apples and apple pies and everyone's sitting there and it's beautiful. And I'm just smiling at God. And it was just a lovely, lovely moment. It really was. So there again, a very powerful word from God, but delivered with beauty and grace and she was a sweetheart. And she did come up to me afterwards and I and said, hi. And I go, hi, I'm Ruth Izzy. You know, we met. And I said, thank you so much. That was such a great prophecy. And she goes, I hope so. Was it good? Because she's thinking, what am I doing? This is either bang on prophecy or it's really weird because I'm just going on and on about apples. And I've got no idea if this is blessing this way. She was like, I'm so grateful to hear you say that. So powerful Christians speak powerful words like prophetic words, words of love, words of encouragement that can shift people's life. And it's because the Spirit of God gets behind those words and goes deep into someone's heart. And you can remember words that were spoken to you 30 years ago when they're powerful. Powerful Christians know how to bind the devil. They know how to cast out demons. That's right. We're in a spiritual world. There is demons. And we need to know how to do that. We need to be confident. Because, you know, when you go out to Lake Kajelago and you hang out with these beautiful Aboriginal kids, they like to be called Aboriginal, so that's the word I use. Um, they, uh, you know, I'm just driving in the bus. And little Ashanti, she says, she goes, I saw a demon last night. I go, all right. Yeah. What happened? She goes, well, it was scary and this happened and da-da-da. I went, okay, what did you do? She goes, I just told it to go away. I said, that's it. You just tell it to go away in Jesus' name. She goes, yeah, I know. So you don't need to be scared of that. She goes, I know. Just tell it to go away. I mean, it's kind of like, these are spiritual people, you know. You, you gotta, they they, they got to know and, you know, that you pray for them and there was other people we prayed for. You've got to know how to bind the devil off people's lives and, and get rid of spirits if you discern them. And that's part of the power of God, isn't it? Discerning spiritual forces and dealing with them appropriately and powerfully. So powerful Christians release supernatural results through all kinds of spiritual gifts, whether it's prophecy, whether it's healing, anointings, discerning spirits, supernatural knowledge, Joel 2.28 says this, It will come to pass that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, just putting it out there, shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Go for it, baby. (laughs) Start dreaming. (laughs) Tell him he's dreaming. (laughs) And your young men shall see visions. 
according to the Jewish religion, 60 is officially old. I'm just saying. I can say that because I'm there. We're Gentiles, true, we are, but you know, we've been grafted in though, babe. Um, Okay, so um, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Come on, guys. Who's young? Have have you got visions? Visions of God, Malachi. Visions of serving God again at Lake Kajelago. I know you do. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. God is doing amazing things. He's pouring his spirit out on us. We don't want to miss out. It's on every single one of us. There's ministry gifts. There's things happening. You know, I have a friend who, you don't know this person. She's in another state, but she decided to leave her husband. She, she met another guy and she was leaving her husband. And um, it was a whole big, long, long story. It was a bad story. But anyway, she, um, she was making the decision and one night she had a dream. And in her dream, I came and visited her and I rebuked her. And I said, do not do this. It's the wrong thing to do. You know it. Do not leave your husband. You will never be happy. You will never, it's not the right thing to do. Anyway, she woke up and she decided not to leave her husband. And they've been restored and it's a happy story. But she rang me shortly after that. And she said, Ruth, I just have to tell you what's been going on. Because I didn't know about all this. And she told me and then she said, and then you came in my dream. And I'm like... Oh, and she said, and you rebuked me and you said this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she was just sort of really random because she was kind of grateful to me. But I was like, I, you know, I, I didn't even know about this. I wasn't even praying. But, but, but I'm sort of like, it's so exciting being a Christian because God used my avatar. You know, I kind of, I was probably asleep and he just got my avatar and went, go and visit her and, and say the right things. And I'm just like, I feel really cool about it. I feel like I had something to do with it, but I literally did nothing. I didn't even know it was happening. But, but you know, sometimes God just uses you in ways that we can't even imagine. Just, just your witness, your testimony. You know, people in your school who know that you were saved. When I went to my school reunion, someone came up to me. They just walked up to me. They didn't like me at school. And they walked up to me. They go, are you still like Christian, like religious? And I went, yeah. And she goes, good, I'm glad. And walked away and I was like... Okay, you know, I'll take it. (laughs) So we don't know the impact that we're having on people. We don't know. Powerful Christians witness to everyone in the whole world. You will be my witnesses. Power to love people, power to change their lives, power to, you know, love. I mean, the ends of the earth, he says, you're going to go to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I mean, come on, that's that's here. That's Australia and New Zealand. We're, We're pretty much... We're at the ends. And then you go out to a place like Murrum Bridge in Lake Kajelago. I mean, that's the ends of the earth. And that's where we are. And that's so exciting that we are there making a difference and loving people and praying. Powerful Christians overcome the world by faith. And by the world, I mean all the temptations of the world. Powerful Christians learn to resist temptation. Alcohol, drugs, immorality, pornography, anger, unforgiveness. They learn to stand against fear, intimidation, anxiety, and they learn to walk in the peace of God. That is part of the power of God, that we can say no and overcome. The Bible says you can overcome. Overcome, that means win. The word for overcome in Greek, I quite like it's Nike, like Nike. It's the word, so you can always remember that. Nike, Nike, come on. We overcome, we win. So we need to be powerful and we can be powerful because the Holy Spirit is available to every single one of us. So let's look at that now. When the whole, 
you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, this is sort of like doctrinal, so you have to come to Bible college if you want a really in-depth, but I'm just going to go through it briefly. When does the Holy Spirit come on you? In John 20, 21, Jesus had been raised from the dead and he went to visit the disciples and he said this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Which is an exact copy of God breathing on Adam and giving him a life spirit. And then Jesus breathed on them to give them the Holy Spirit. So it would seem that at this moment that the disciples received that new life that could only come after Jesus was raised from the dead and received the Spirit of God into their hearts. So when we are born again and when we ask Jesus into our hearts, we receive the Holy Spirit. He comes into our heart. He comes and lives with us, in us. It's amazing. So we know that the Holy Spirit comes to us there and, and then... But yet, after he breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he said, wait, there's, there's more. So he comes into our hearts like a reservoir, if you like. But then he says, now wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what's the difference? And I like to see it like this. Like, I have this reservoir of power, but when, the, when I'm baptized in the Spirit, it's like the, the floodgates are open. It's like, open the dam gates and let's, let's let it out. That's how I see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's like the powers, another way of looking at it is the powers available. There it is, but you've got to plug in. You've got to release that power. You can be a, a light globe. You can have all manner of power, but you've got, to, you've got to plug in. So Jesus said, wait. So we know that we have the Holy Spirit in us when we're saved. We know that the Bible is very clear that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He, he's, he's in our hearts as we are born again. But let's look in Acts now at the actual baptism of the Holy Spirit as it happened this very first time in Acts 2 and 1 to 4. Okay. When the day of Pentecost, so it was 50 days after Jesus had risen from the dead. Is that right? Yes. Penty, yeah. I was just checking them. So that's why we call ourselves Pentecostal, by the way, because of this event. After 50 days, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared, appeared on them divided tongues like fire. It sat on each one of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And every, all the, there was, and it's a whole chapter, a whole long story. Everyone was like, what is happening in there? What are, they, what are they saying? And they could hear them speaking their own languages. They understood. So, so they were speaking in tongues, which can sometimes be a heavenly language, can sometimes be a, a miraculous earthly language. So that was exciting. They'd already received the Holy Spirit. They already believed in Jesus. They were already following God. They'd already done even miracles. But still there was more, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, at that time, they also spoke in tongues, which are very special and obviously special because they were present at the very birth of the church there and everyone was filled and it was a great blessing. So that's part of this whole thing, speaking in tongues. And some people get 
We get a bit hung up about it. Some people find it a bit too weird or they, they feel uncomfortable about it. It's just a gift from God like everything else. But it's exciting. And my approach to these gifts is I'll have them all. I'll have whatever God has to offer. Why not speak in tongues? I, when I first heard about speaking in tongues, first of all, I thought it was really weird. Like, what is that? And then I asked my Anglican minister what it was. And his words were pretty much, we need to be very careful about that sort of thing. <laughs> and so he said. And I'm like, right, careful. Okay. But, but I didn't see that in the Bible. I didn't see careful in the Bible. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. I, I want you all to speak in tongues. So it's kind of like, okay. So this whole area of baptism in the Holy Spirit, in the book of Acts, the terminology is a little fluid. Luke uses at least five terms, baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is what Jesus and John the Baptist said. But Luke also talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit came upon them? In many of those instances, they spoke with tongues as well. So there's all kinds of exciting things happening in the book of Acts. When I read the book of Acts, I thought, well, I kind of want that. Even though my Anglican minister said I had to be careful. I was like, but I want that. But I thought I wouldn't get it because I thought I wasn't holy enough. And I thought I'm kind of like a second rate Christian. And then I knew about these kind of weird Pentecostals. And I thought, they're just more spiritual than me. I just wouldn't kind of get that. I I had a complete works mentality to gifts. (laughs) I thought I had to earn them. But Eventually, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I do speak in tongues, and I thank God for it. What a great gift. But let me just say this around the controversy here that happens with some people. God's much more interested in the relational dynamic than he is in different terms. He's much more interested in us operating the power of God than fussing about which term to use or when or how. There's a little mystery around the Holy Spirit. I do believe in being baptised in the Holy Spirit or filled with the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit. But I don't think it makes you better than any other Christian. I think you can be baptised in the Holy Spirit and be backslidden. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? We've got to continually be hungry for more. That's all I know. So I might have an experience and I might speak in tongues, but am I filled with the Holy Spirit today? Because that's what matters. And that's what I want to encourage you with, to have a filling of the Holy Spirit, to be on fire with him, to be working with him. It's a relationship. I knew about God the Father and about Jesus, but I, I, I didn't know the Holy Spirit. Well, now I like to work with him. I like to be aware of him, what he's saying, what he's doing. I love that whole dynamic. It's exciting. And so that's what God wants us to do. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, that they, they were saying to them, and we can see this in Acts 19.2, some, he said to these Christians, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we never even heard there is a Holy Spirit, which was pretty much where I was. I, never, I, I, I think I eventually heard about him, but I'm like, what is that? So Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Acts 19.2 verse 6. And then in Acts 10.46, it says, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So there is a whole lot of things going on in the the book of Acts. And without getting caught up in theological debate, we know that God wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We know that he is a very important part of our lives. And we know that without him, we cannot be powerful 
because the power, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So we need to be open and hungry for everything that God has for us. Spiritual gifts, spiritual purity, filled with the Holy Spirit, everything. More, more, more. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, because that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So we enjoy this relationship with the Holy Spirit. We, are, we live by the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit, we produce fruit by the Spirit, We are led by the Spirit and we keep in step with the Holy Spirit every day. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Cheese